Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, which is, without wishing to self-aggrandise too much, the podcast equivalent of St Peter. We bring movies of all kinds and checkered histories to our last chance pearly gates to see if we can offer them safe passage to cinema heaven, or if sadly, on giving them a thorough once-over, we have to consign them to the depths of bargain basement hell. I'm Rob and this is Simon and James. Hi, boys. Yes, Rob. That was amazing. Lovely <laughs> biblical stuff. <laughs> I don't know whether I got the saint right. Is it Saint Peter? I think it is. Yeah. Ah, it'll work. Excellent. I didn't go to Sunday school. <laughs> right into the show. Tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The risks are high here, actually, aren't they? Yeah. You know, heaven, hell, getting this wrong in a public setting. How are you both? Are you okay? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good, man, good, good. How are you? Uh, I'm splendid, thank you very much. What have you been watching this week? Uh, well, I've been watching a fair bit, but nothing that's really grabbed me too much in terms of movies. So I've, I mean, we don't want to shout out negative stuff on this podcast, so oh, no. just move swiftly past that. So today I was uh, I was painting my son's bedroom, and while doing that, I was listening to uh, Oliver Stone's memoir, Chasing the Light, on, uh, on Audible. In which he presents an illuminating and detailed view of movie making in the 70s and 80s. It's really fascinating stuff. And because it's Oliver Stone, you feel like he's being very honest in the way in which he presents the people that he's worked with. I'd say it's a a must read or listen for anyone who's interested in in Hollywood of that era. It's really, really good stuff. Very enjoyable. That sounds wonderful. And another thing that I caught that I wanted to shout out, have you guys watched the documentary Class Action Park? No. No. Enlighten me. Okay, so this is the documentary that's on Sky here in the UK and HBO Max in the US, I believe. It centres around this safety-free amusement park in the 1980s, which looked both incredibly fun and dangerous. I believe it was in New Jersey. Of course, it, the documentary, it's all fun and games until someone gets seriously injured. Oh but I God. kind of wanted to go there. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of like when, you know, like when um, Super Size Me came out afterwards, I was like desperate for a Big Mac. Yeah, yeah, it has that exact effect. It's like, yeah, it looks mega dangerous, but yeah, I would jump off that cliff face into raw sewage or what was it? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 absolutely bananas. It made me quite nostalgic. You know, when you're when you were growing up, did you guys have a place that your parents let you go to that, in retrospect, was clearly not safe? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Actually, the red wreck. Yeah, yeah. like the, or, or something they let you do, which just wasn't safe remotely. There was a lot less oversight, I felt, in the eighties and nineties, and you were just yeah. sort of allowed to get away with things. It's like, all right, well, the out of sight, out of mind, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Tree climbing was the one for that. Like, you know, like um, we would be like six and then 40 feet high, waving down, hey, mom, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> These days we'd be like, oh, God, get down. But no, back then it was just, you tease on. <laughs> uh, there's a park near where Simon and I grew up where they have a BMX track yes yes i've went arse over to it on that bmx track (laughs) (laughs) and that thing was an absolute death trap it's still there now but it's been through a few risk assessments but it was just absolute (laughs) carnage like kids would come into school on the monday and they'd have like huge burns going up their arms or their legs and everyone was just like 
Yeah. BMX BMX track at the weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely totaled my bike. Like <laughs> it was just incredible. It was very much a rite of passage. So yeah, this whole documentary made me uh made me nostalgic for almost murdering myself on a weekendly basis <laughs> at the BMX track. <laughs> Incredible! Uh, what about you, Sai? What have you been digging into? Oh man, I, I've been I've been really slack on the movie watching this week, but but it's like it's award season, and it just doesn't feel the same without being able to go to a cinema to watch all the award films. Yeah, like I just can't bring myself to watch them at home. There's too many distractions, and I I feel I will do the film a disservice. So it's it's just not it's winding me up. How I'm just miss cinemas. Um, but also I've not been watching that much because I've been plowing so much of my free time into playing this game called Death Stranding on the oh. PS4, which is basically just Deliveroo the video game, but in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> way. <so I'm... laughs> is that what it's about, delivering dinners? You're, you're basically just delivering packages to people all around this, like, Play. It's a weird game. I can't really explain it. It's off its head. But it's, it's strangely addictive. I'm really obsessed with it. And it's got... um. What's he got? He's got Norman Reedus out of Walking Dead in it. He's like uh, the main yeah. guy, and it was done by the guy who did Metal Gear Solid, Hideo Kojima. So it's off its head. So I've just been obsessed with that. But something good I have watched, however, is a TV program called Raised by Wolves. Um, oh, I heard which about is on, this. Yeah, it's on Now TV, which again I think um, HBO Max as well in America, and it's produced by Ridley Scott, who directed the first two episodes as well. It's just this really weird, grey, morose sci-fi show about two androids who are tasked with rebuilding the human race after Earth is destroyed um, in this massive, massive war. But it's just really, it's really, I, I love sci-fi. It's like it's probably my favourite genre, and it's really interesting. And it explores a lot of ideas around faith and creation and religion and all these themes that Ridley Scott seemed to be massively into in the last few years, like doing something similar with. Prometheus and Alien Covenant, you know, it's, mm. it's got a similar vibe to those, but without the aliens. But it's really good. And it's got like two amazing lead performances from Amanda Collin and Abu Bakar Salim, who play the two androids who are like raising these kids. And um, uh, a chap who's in it from, I think you mentioned him on the last episode, James, uh, Cosmo Jarvis pops up in a few episodes as well. Oh, class. Um, yeah, and he, he's very good in it. But yeah, we just, we, we started watching it the other day and just, really into it. it it's very good I, I don't think it's for everyone it's one of those really polarizing sci-fis but i'm really enjoying it i think it's really good really good nice oh wicked wicked um some amazing recommendations there this week guys and also very diverse you know oh, yeah cross media as well lovely um i uh started well I, for a start i was Delighted when Star came on um, Disney Plus. Woohoo! Loads of good stuff on there. So that um, prompted me to watch. Well, I finally got to start Big Sky, which um, I really enjoyed the first two episodes of. Um, makes some very bold choices this series. Um, I have to say that the book series made the um, largely the same choices, not entirely all the same choices, but it was really, really good, and I love that setting. It also gave me a chance to watch Independence Day in 4K. Oh, is it on 4K? I've never done before yeah and whoa 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 right i because it came this is the first time i watched this in maybe 10 years with the kids and everything i watched it with them because i was thinking about what makes this a 12 
Um, and the reason I thought that this would be okay was about the last thing I wanted to mention in a moment, but um, that I watched this week. But is this one of the best blockbusters ever? Oh, in yeah. terms of sheerly delivering on an idea and a product, essentially. I mean, uh, yeah, the plot has some bonkers moments, but it's so enjoyable. It's so enjoyable. I, and and in 4K, it really held up for me. Really held up. Miniatures. Power of miniatures. This is it. Do it Do it practical. Even small practical. Yeah. Do it practical. Yeah. I Honestly, and when that... Um, you know when Goldblum and Smith are walking out the desert at the end and they're swaggering Smoking with cigars? cigars. <laughs> it's beautiful. This is an ace. Honestly, I think this could be the pound for pound. Like... Setting out because it was an event, wasn't it? When we were it kids, really it was, was a massive really event. Was, like yeah. the like the posters were everywhere, and it was like, oh yeah. I think pound for pound, it could be the best blockbuster of all time. It's up there with Jurassic Park for me. Like yeah, in terms of like event cinema. Yeah, it's in that bracket for me. And certainly before comic book movies sort of completely ruined that for normal yeah summer blockbusters because it's completely changed now, and you're not going to get films like that anymore. I don't think no. where it's this yeah. This event cinema, what's an original IP? You know, obviously Jurassic Park is based on a book, but that doesn't count. Um, but yeah, the, 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 for me, that's like, it's up there with Jurassic Park. It was a massive deal when it came out. The cinema was jam-packed. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I guess it was my sort of uh, Star Wars as a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, for if our I was age, age bracket, it's yeah, mega, I think so, it? yeah. yeah. It was it was massive. It was huge, and Will Smith was huge at the time. I lo- I oh, love Will Smith. Like, yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. All the all pe- kids my age loved him. He's ace in this too. He's ace. It was just it was it was lightning in a bottle, wasn't it? He was just so cool, wasn't he? Like because he was he a rapper really was, as well, yeah. and he he had a sitcom on TV that you could watch. And, and now a fighter pilot on a mega movie. Because obviously we were all a bit possibly a bit too young for Bad Boys. Although I think I might have seen it before I'd seen Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, I did as well. Actually, but yeah, no, I remember <laughs> I remember going to see that movie with my dad, and it was just me and him because my younger brother was too was too young uh i was only 11 when that came out so we sort of had to i was like four months shy of my um of my 12th birthday oh incredible so yeah so we had to tell a little white lie to get in but yeah just absolutely loved it and was just blown away by it and um, that's probably why i took against the sequel so much because it just couldn't recapture any of that Magic, all you, all the, uh, all the memory that I had of uh, of going to watch it with my dad. I must, I must stress, my dad hasn't passed away or anything. Like, he's, <laughs> he's just a fond memory. <laughs> my enduring memory of my father is a a trip to see ID Four, which they hoped it would be known as, but no one. Knows I'm not. I'm not even sure if he liked it. To be honest, but I fucking dug it. I thought it was ace. <laughs> What year was Independence Day? 96? 96, yeah. Yeah. Was it 96? I was 10. Yeah, I was 10. So I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. uh, Seriously, and it really holds up. This, you know, Disney's, I don't know whether it's a transfer or whatever, but it really, really holds up. I'm going to watch that. I'm (laughs) definitely going to watch that. It's so rad. It jumped up, possibly, watching it again. It put hundreds of places in my all-time favourite movies list. Seriously, watching it again this week. Nice. It's certainly one of the most enjoyable movies. It really is. And, And there are holes everywhere. And I really don't like it when, you know, Randy Quaid goes, Boys, I'm back! I don't like that. You can have that. Got a huge laugh in the cinema that I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I mean, all the stuff like they abused him, 
sexually. You know, like, I, I could do with all that, that. You can keep all that. Thank you very much. What's that Travis Travis from Fire in the Sky? That's who he is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. What's he called? Tra- Travis Winkle. Travis Walton. Travis Walton. <laughs> Such a shame he never set up his car dealership with Robert Patrick. <laughs> I know, like the alternate universe where, like, fifty-year-old <laughs> Travis Walton finally got revenge, <laughs> <laughs> driving an MT Motors straight, <laughs> straight. <laughs> anyway, um, but like, so you know, like when Bill Bill <laughs> Pullman says, you know, like does the big speech, and then they give him a, a plane. <laughs> Mr. President, what are you doing? You know, it's it's amazing. And my my little my eldest said, like, is he gonna fly with them? And I'm like, boom, we got you, baby. We got you. Yeah, he's going up there. Yeah, he's going up there with them. Uh, And it's just what only movies can give you this. Uh, It's just amazing. I I loved it. Imagine the current president doing that. (laughs) Seventy on Jerome (laughs) Joe. Or the previous president. <laughs> He'd have drafted He wouldn't need a dodge draft. He's not going to make a speech and get in a plane. <laughs> oh, boy. But, right, I'm so Doing sorry. the speech at the Four Seasons Total Landscape. <laughs> we will not go quietly into the night. <laughs> make it stop. Oh, my word. They came from outer space. They're bad hombres. (laughs) (laughs) What a ridiculous moron he is. Now I really want the Independence Day (laughs) Donald J. Trump cut. Do a deep fake Trump in the Bill Pullman. Give me the Trump cut. Didn't someone do that where they deep fake Trump making that speech? No, like, did they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, we well, need this. I need this. I need this. Oh, my word. <laughs> and so, I'm so sorry, lads. I, I feel like I've gone off on one there and I've taken up a lot of airtime on this because the next thing I want to mention is that after, you know, and I know that people who follow us on Twitter will be aware of this, but like um, my children have been begging to watch Jaws for weeks and weeks. It's got ridiculous. And I, tr- I tested the waters with them with the Meg, a Megalodon. Um, a few weeks back. Yeah, that was one of the films I didn't want to mention. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they loved it. They absolutely loved it. I did pick a moment when Mrs. Parker was out. After another two weeks of negotiation, I said, right, eldest two, who are 10 and 5, if you want it, Jaws is yours. Let's do this. Sat them down. Within 10 minutes, the middle one had said, sorry, the youngest of the two, said, can I play Animal Crossing on the Switch? <laughs> Well, you can. I just don't think it's a very good course of action, but you can. You know, so she did, and the eldest sat there, and I kept looking at her. You know, like, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming, and she just sat quietly all the way through. And at the end, I just said, like, "What did you think?" And she said, "It's just, just old guys talking for two hours." Right. That's it. That, that's it. That's enough. That is enough. <laughs> No. <laughs> Jake just left the podcast <laughs> seriously they, they like you know I said well, what about like what about Kintner what about Alex Kintner I was traumatized by that and my eldest said like yeah it's, it's just like he took a cranberry smoothie into the sea and dropped it like <laughs> are you not traumatized by this 
Um, ben Gardner's head underneath, you know, when it pops out. Nah, not bothered. Yeah. The shark at the end, not bothered. Quint's death, not bothered. Um, so I said at the end, like, which which did you prefer? And, and they said, well, the Meg, because it's got better characters. Right, that's oh, it. That's, that's enough. <laughs> that is enough of this. So you're saying that lost J- Jonas... Yeah. I am just so disciplinary proceedings are still underway in this house because we can't let this lie. <laughs> the thing is, you you, you become uh, you run the danger of becoming an old man shouting at clouds, don't you? It's mm. we grew up pre CGI, didn't we? Like, yeah. So that when we saw yeah. Jurassic Park, it absolutely blew our minds. But we'd seen yeah. all of those films prior to them, and the pacing is different for those movies. Back then, they don't have the same pacing as... I mean, Jaws is a masterpiece, but I don't, expect, I don't necessarily expect it to work for, <laughs> for a 10 or 11-year-old. I mean, just nowadays. watching it again, it was just joy from start to finish. It's just yeah. masterfully done. It's brilliant. It's so good, isn't it? Oh. I do wonder, though, whether he's... I hope he doesn't, but I do wonder if he's ever thought about going back and digitally... Redoing oh, the shark. Oh, or, what, like Lucas did? For yeah, style. yeah. Just, I, I wonder if it's crossed his it. mind. Don't do it. The the <laughs> what changing the guns for walkie talkies in ET didn't didn't help. You know, incidentally, uh, shout out to TJP Tom Pickup. He says that in the in the episode about <laughs> where D Wallace Stone was in uh, Frighteners, I kept shouting about ET's mum has it going on. Yeah. It's not ET's mum. It's Elliot's mum. What is wrong with me? <laughs> she anyway, might have it on. going on. We don't actually see ET's mum, do we? <laughs> well, did you see ET dressed as a woman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not confident, <laughs> but I've said it now. So uh, anyway, um, oh dear. Anyway, let's move on. Um, tonight's movie. Oh my God, tonight's movie. <laughs> we haven't even got near this. Um, brought up James's uh, interesting, um, interesting sort of note that this is uh, a director and star combination that's happened before, not just once. Not twice, but three times. Yeah. So you wanted to ask about underrated actor-director combos. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is the first of three. Four, if you count the time that uh, Peter Hyams was the director of photography on his son's movie, which was a Universal Soldier sequel. Um, Incredible. Of a fruitful partnership between JCVD and... uh, and Peter Hyams. So, what, and it's probably not a partnership that people would go to, you know, that they, they don't fully appreciate, you know. You know, you've got your gold standards, your Scorsese's, De Niro, DiCaprio, your Nick Cage and John Turtletarb. <laughs> I will never not love how you say Turtletarb. Turtletarb. <laughs> Two Turtletarbs. You know, these are the elite partnerships, but what I want to know is what are the underrated director-star or director-actor combinations that you guys enjoy? So they've got got to have worked together a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally cheating on this, but the reason why I'm allowed to cheat on this is because most of the films they did together bombed at the time they came out. Uh, John Carper and Kurt Russell. I knew you were going to say that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're just so good. No, but that fits. That's on brand for FYR as well. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like most of them failed, didn't they? The Thing failed. Big Trouble in China failed. I don't know if Escape from New York did. Maybe it was Escape from LA was the one what bombed. But, yeah, and I I saw that story where um, Kurt Russell was just really sad that all their films bombed and he took it personally, you know, he took it personally and thought it was his fault. No. But, yeah, over time, those films are now 
classics. Carpenter is now absolute legend, and yeah, those films are well, certainly The Thing is regarded as one of the best films ever. So slightly cheating, but uh, it was all it was always going to be John Carpenter and Kurt Russell for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think um, sometimes when I think about, you know, you were saying about underrated actor-director yeah. combos, I think that um, some directors are known for working with certain actors and have done so through a number of films, but there are there are actors that are not as, like, as A-list, so to yeah, speak, yeah. that they've still worked with, like um, Spielberg and Dreyfus, the three films they did together, I just adore. And watching Jaws the other night as well, of course, um, Dreyfus is so great in that film so so great so what um, are the three that they did together that you're thinking of so I, i've got jaws and close encounters and third kind and always have you seen always i've never seen always yeah yeah a long long time ago so it's not the great i don't have the greatest memory of it at all it was yeah. when um you know when uh when i was first getting into movies really and oh, it was right. like it was I'm like doing all question, of them you've I'm not complete. seen always yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah but it was so my memory of it is really really poor and to be honest it will be at the time when i was into tonight's main star so I will have been bookending always with <laughs> JCBD cuts. <laughs> um, but, and also the same thing, you know, ever, Jim Cameron will be known mostly for, well, not known mostly, but when you think of um, actors he's worked with, it'll be Arnie. He's probably the first one most people think Paxton about. Paxton as well. Bill yeah. Paxton. But Paxton, the five, he did five with Paxton. Incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but let's talk serious. Okay. We all want to know about what, you know, like, what the great actors are doing. So Steven Seagal, obviously, has... Um, <laughs> so predictable. <laughs> he had an eight-year stint um, with uh, an actor. Uh, well, sorry, with a director. And in this eight-year stint, how many movies do you think they, they put together? Six. Seventeen. <laughs> uh, Steven Seagal and Keone Waxman did nine movies together between 2009 and 2017. The Keeper, A Dangerous Man, Maximum Conviction, Force of Execution. There's lots of X's going on here. A Good Man, Mercenary Absolution, End of a Gun. Sorry, my cursor was in the way. I could have guessed it. Uh, <laughs> contract to a Kill, uh, Contract to Kill, and Killing Salazar, which is not a very... Not a very... Uh, <laughs> not a very Seagal title. Interested to hear Seagal is in a film called A Good Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, interesting. In in um, Between Maximum Conviction and... Uh, well, Maximum Conviction was Seagal and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, before that, after A Dangerous Man, Keone Waxman had gone away and done a film just with Stone Cold. Uh, he obviously liked it. He thought the chemistry with Seagal would work. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Movie history. Have you seen any of those, Rob? <laughs> um, let me just... Oh, zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but having looked at the covers of all of them tonight, I would like to see every single one. Wow. Especially the Stone Cold one. Seagal <laughs> yeah. and Stone Cold, are you having a laugh? <laughs> Do you reckon he uh, hit him with a stunner and Seagal shat himself? <laughs> If he didn't, I'm I, I'm also going to walk off this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, what about you, James? What what what, what did you think of? Uh, probably quite predictable uh, for me, but I couldn't look beyond Tony Scott and Denzel. Oh, what an incredible nice. team mm. that was! Mm-mm-mm. Five movies together. Crimson Tide doesn't qualify for FYR, but Man on Fire, which we previously covered on the show, 
uh, Deja Vu coming to a podcast near you this year. Uh, taking oh. a Pelham one, two, three. All right, you can't you can't win them all. And um, yeah. and unstoppable. I mean, you could throw any of those on on a Friday night, and you know it's going to be visually interesting, and you're going to get a tremendous performance from the lead actor as well. And they're just great thrillers, well mounted by a real technician, and you know a bit like the uh, Bill Paxton and James Cameron uh, combination. Unfortunately. Uh, one of them is no longer with us anymore, and that uh, that dream team's been broken up. But yeah, if it, if Tony and uh, and Denzel were making a movie together, I was always ready for it, and I think I saw mm. three or four of them in the cinema as well. Mm. Couldn't wait to go. So yeah, they they were a cracking combination. Yeah, and most of them qualified for the show. <laughs> the more time that goes by, the more I think that um, Tony Scott's a massive loss. Well, yeah. There is no Tony Scott working today. Like, who's yeah. the Tony Scott who can take like a a mid budget action movie and actually make it decent? Like, yeah. I, there's no well, there's no action. There's hardly any action directors working yeah. today. You know, Cameron is off in Avatar Land. George Miller is seven hundred years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's Gareth Evans, obviously, who did the raid. But outside of that, I'm I'm really struggling in terms of. Like you, you know, back in the nineties, you had you know, Michael Bay's and John McTiernan's and, mm. and Tony Scotts and what are these real good practitioners who could come in and mount a uh, an engaging action movie. But it's, it, they just these types of directors don't seem to be about anymore. Or maybe it's just that the mediums changed so much and is so CG heavy now that these guys have sort of had to evolve into something else. Mm. Mm. No, I very well, very right, good, good point. Very well made. I've got one more as well. Uh, Sam oh, Raimi go. and uh, Bruce Campbell. They're mm. very good. Absolutely, good you could you could go Sam Raimi in that Oldsmobile that throws <laughs> shows up in every movie <laughs> as well. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I saw uh, they've been in so, they've, so many times. Raimi and Campbell. He's just in all of them, isn't he? He just pops yeah. up in every single one. He, he did a, a a post on Instagram where he was like. Had real fun today shooting some movie with some director in some place, and everyone was like, it's uh, "Definitely, definitely, Doctor Strange, isn't it?" <laughs> you mean Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange. Doctor, Doctor. Honestly, can't stop doing it to the kids. I got they're, they're a bad case it. of Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, anyway. That leads us lovelyly, lovelyly, that's not a word at all, beautifully, that's, we'll take on to that, uh, to tonight's film, um, which is my choice. Who would have guessed? Uh, who would have guessed? Um, and yes, uh, we had a chat behind the scenes at FYR HQ, um, which isn't a real place, it's, it's really a WhatsApp chat group. <laughs> <laughs> more of a state of mind. Uh, yeah, it's more of a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, <laughs> and um, it, it was deemed that I was not allowed to touch, you know, um, certain I properties. I think you self-imposed that rule on yourself. I did, bro. I did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. No, Discipline, I, I definitely, whoever passed the motion. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I was not allowed to touch the great man until 2021. So getting three months into 2021, this is not bad going. Um, so tonight's movie features, I'm delighted to say, the return of the inimitable, one-of-a-kind icon, Jean-Claude Van Damme, to the podcast with a movie. And you can tell at this point that I've forgotten to prepare a logline. <laughs> <laughs> JCVD has beautiful hair 
And he goes back in time to stop a crime. And he looks amazing while he does it. This is Time Cop from 1994. Imagine that on the poster. JCVD goes back in time to stop a crime. Doing, partner? Ex-partner. Let me go, Max. I'm not hurting anybody. Got to take you back. In the year 2004, time travel is a reality. You are charged with violations of TEC code 40.8. Time travel with intent to alter the future. And a crime. It turns out going back in time is a pretty easy way to make money. I think you got yourself a shipment of gold and you're taking a general aid. The genie is already out of the bottle. The technology is there. Now, one man... You ever hear the name Aaron McComb? ...is about to take the ultimate power trip. He's gonna be president. You don't need the press, you don't need endorsements, you don't even need the truth. You need money. But to enforce the laws of time... Are we still together in ten years? Am I dead? One man is determined to stop him. I cannot go back to save her. This scumbag is not going back to steal money. Stay here, Walker. My future, you're dead. <laughs> I think you plan too far ahead. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Ron Silver. Will you get him? Mia Sara. So I'm going to start the you know the post trailer bit with a bit of the John Hammond part from Jurassic Park. Hello, John. Hello, John. Rob, why did you pick tonight's movie? Well, Rob, I, <laughs> I, I um, this is a sad one for me, Rob, because I <laughs> could have literally just asked one of us to do that. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about to begin with, and then I was like, oh, oh, Major problems, lads. I thought you'd know about it. We don't usually record on a Saturday night, and I think we're starting to see why, to be honest. Um, I, I, right, when I was in love with JCVD, which has been you know, pretty much my whole life. What do you mean, was? Um, <laughs> but like discovering my love, you know, when I was in the early infatuation stage, I needed to get a hold of Time Cop um, because I didn't have it and it was not readily available or anything like that. Um, no, I couldn't get it anywhere. But I found it in early sort of um, eBay, you know. Um, oh, gosh, I can get it, you know. So I paid for a DVD copy of Time Cop and it arrived and I popped it in the, the old uh, DVD player and it was oh, just horrible 4-3 ratio, pan and scan. Oh. And it looked like it had been taped off a toilet. And um, it was just horrendous. But I watched it and I liked it. I couldn't tell what was going on half the time. And then I just filed it under, this can't have been very good. So we won't revisit that. You know, I'll hold on to the other Van Damme movies that I really, really love. Time Cop must have just been an aberration in the great man's career, uh, where he did this horrible TV movie that was filmed on toilet paper or something. <laughs> Pan and scan. What, a, what an abomination of cinema. <laughs> Honestly, it, it looked horrendous. So um, to the point that I actually threw the DVD away recently because I was like, I am not going to watch that again because as soon as it comes on a streaming service, 
I'll be all over it then. This week, after I decided we'll do it, because it was more of a self-discovery moment for me as well. Like, there's a Lost Van Damme movie in there, in my eyes, that I've not given enough time to. But I know he's an absolute legend, and I know he does an incredible rendition of the splits in this film. <laughs> I do remember that. Even Pan and Scan couldn't rob me of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought that um, I'd really like to watch it again, because loads of people are positive about it. And when I mooted the idea to you guys, you both responded positively to it. So that's why I went ahead and picked it. So what is your relationship with Time Cop, gents? Uh, so for me, funnily enough, I think I probably saw this around the same time that I saw Independence Day. What a summer for me, by the way. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so yeah, um, I will have seen this probably at a sleepover around a friend's house, uh, you know, watching it when we weren't supposed to, probably taped off Sky Movies or something, and uh, remember enjoying it vastly at the time you know i think when you're 12 years old it's got everything that you want <laughs> but i can't say that i've ever watched it again since that moment so you know there's so many other 18 rated movies that you need to be getting through so incredible it was like yeah time cop that rocks move on so yeah that's kind of my <laughs> my relationship with nice. it. nice what about you say si? well this this was a time cop was a film i was convinced i'd seen because I'd say this was probably probably the the film that introduced me to Van Damme in terms of marketing. It was I remember it being massively marketed the film. Yeah, and seeing that you know the shot of the of him warping into the road and then ducking under the lorry. Yeah, yeah. that was quite an iconic shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, spoilers. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I just I just thought it was one of those films that and then I was sat down to watch it. And I was going. Nope, I don't remember anything of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, turned out it was actually a first watch. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but it just completely fell out of my head. Incredible. Could you imagine having the treat of a mid-90s Van Damme film you've not oh. seen before? Whoa. <laughs> um, I put the same question really out to our, our Twitter followers and friends and got loads of actually you know really fond responses that echo exactly what you're talking about. Rob Scrag says this and Bloodsport are his two fave JCVDs and that he wants to squeeze in a rewatch before we uh, before the episode comes out. <laughs> good man, Rob. We love you. <laughs> um, our good friend Con Frankowski says it's a less oily chance Boudreaux travelling through, through, <laughs> through time and that split etched in his brain forever. Sue Thomas actually watched it on Monday for her son's birthday. <laughs> Um, and he fancied an old. Her son is six. <laughs> and she says it has a nostalgic cheesiness. <laughs> Again, the splits gets a mention here from Anne Blockswitch, who said that um, she likes the fact he managed to squeeze his trademark splits in, like it's his demand. <laughs> like, oh, it definitely is. <laughs> it does seem that. But she adds that I must admit that when I see him now, she cringes at his bingo wings. We'll we'll have less of that, please. <laughs> we won't. Go into this. Um, Jamie Russell, good old Jamie, says it's very, very silly and unintentionally hilarious. Um, but there's real delight from our good friend, Qui-Gon Glynn, who's barreling through all the episodes that we have at the moment. Thank you so much, mate. Because he says, so glad, as the last couple of episodes I've listened to have had absolutely no mentions of double denim or Timberlands, pristine or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Top man. So, yeah, I think that's overall, our lis you know, listenership, Fondness. Yeah. Oh, and uh, just touching on Jamie Russell, I don't, I don't have uh, 
uh, Jamie had quite a uh, traumatic experience after he'd um, been to been to see this film. Oh, did he? So he, he ju- recently just passed his driving test, and uh, he, him and his uh, a friend had gone to uh, the cinema to watch it. And as he dropped his friend off at home, under cover of darkness, obviously having been to see him time cop in the evening, he performed a three point turn. And unbeknownst to him, there was some sort of sinkhole or work being done at the end of this driveway, no. and his back wheels dropped into this <laughs> hole. <laughs> Oh my! And word. his poor friend's uh, parents had to come and jack his mother's car out out of this hole. <laughs> oh my god! Tell me this footage and tell me it was shot by Peter Hyams. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, 1995, so it's before the era of the smartphone. So it's amazing that Jamie still gets any sort of love out of this film due to <laughs> JCVD oh, induced trauma. Jamie, thank you, thank you for sharing. Yeah, usually we don't ex- experience trauma with JCVD, so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's strictly for the baddies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're nuts again in this film. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Uh, so then in which case we must it must qualify through some reason. Um let's go, James, budget and box office. What are we talking? Okay, so uh Time Cop was released in the US on September 16th, 1994, where it opened at number one spot. Oh baby! JCVD number one. Woo! You know he definitely said that as well. <laughs> uh, it finished its run with $45 million in the US. Overseas, it grossed about $57 million for a total gross of $101 million against a production budget of $27 million. Oh! This makes it Van Damme's highest grossing film in which he played the leading role and his second to make over $100 million overall. Uh, the former being uh, Universal Soldier. Movie star, baby. He's a movie star. Yeah, he's massive, isn't he? Absolutely massive. This is like the pinnacle JCVD, this. this is peak JCVD. It's oh, all yeah. downhill after this. This is the no, this is the no. peak. <laughs> it's 94, <laughs> his equivalent of Cage's Holy Trinity of Conor. Uh, oh, it could be. Face off. Is that is this is this his tie? Is that I think yeah. it is. Yeah, could well be. Unlike Cage, though, he didn't have two out in the same month, which was still blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine nineteen ninety-seven. You oh. see Conair at the start of the month and then face off at the end of the month. That's <laughs> outrageous. Oh my! Well, now you know because oh. of his work rate, you can actually see several a month <laughs> on your local streaming service. Nick, you know we love you. Don't. Get any aspirations otherwise. So, what about you? What about um, the critical reception to this film? Well, uh, general consensus critically was pretty split down the middle uh, with Time Cop. And it's reflected uh, in its Rotten Tomato score, which is currently 45% and 48 on Metacritic. So, it's like really down the middle. On one side of the fence were the reviewers that found it a bit brainless, that bemoaned Hyam's lackluster and mediocre direction. Um, and in the case of Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune, uh, he found Van Damme was only compelling when he took his kit off. <laughs> All right, Gene, you dirty bastard. <laughs> Bold thing to admit, Gene. <laughs> On the other side, of the other side of this fence, uh, amongst others who enjoyed the fun bombast of it all, uh, was our good mate Mick LaSalle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who, uh, yeah, Mick found it to be a more than satisfying science fiction thriller, giving it three out of his usual four uh, on release in in 1994. 
So yeah, it was it was honestly it's totally split. Like they they're talking in the same about the same things, but some people like that and some people don't like that. <laughs> um, and then audience is is kind of split as well, really. But which is is, is weird actually because thirty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really low actually, considering you know it's lower than the critical. But then Metacritic, it's seven point one out of ten on the audience scale, so completely different on mm. that side. Wow. Um, so yeah, totally all over the shop. Um, Letterbox is your standard 2.8. I think pretty much all the films are like 2.8. Um, and then there's some gems of reviews like this one from Slig001, who said, Gloriously fun sci-fi action romp. But as is often the case with time travel films, this one is absolutely riddled with plot holes, some of which are so big, not even Van Damme could do the splits over there. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very good. good. But it, but he, it really doesn't matter that much. He ended that with so. Um, oh, very good, very good. Uh, it, but uh, yeah, it's all it's very split. There's a lot of people who really hate it, and a lot of people who really like it. So it's a it's um it's a polarizing one for sure. Oh. This only makes me want to discuss it even more. It seriously does. Um, I think that's all our official orders of business. In which case, can we just dive into the movie? I really, I really want to get into this. Absolutely. Thing. To get to Van Damme's bones. Fit to burn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And boy, do we get a treat in that department. If only the movie had actually just dived into the movie. Why is there a three-minute blunders anything <laughs> intro sequence? <laughs> what is that font, by the way? That's almost comic sounds, isn't it? Well, no, this is how I knew ridiculous. it was a Hayams movie. You know when you get lovely horns and strings? And there's a black background, and there's that font. <laughs> like, oh, it's Hyams. Yeah. This is our boy. He's just got no imagination at all. Like, <laughs> text on black for oh, about two and a half minutes. Like, great. <laughs> there was a wandering piano bit to the score, and it made it feel like um, a mid-season X Files episode. <laughs> you know, where there's a monster of the week. You know, and it's like, oh, don't worry. This is this is nice. This is a a one-off personal story that we can just ignore later on. To be fair to the composer, Mark Isham, I think we've had him on the on the pod before. I think he did Blade, actually. There's, there's a lot of tone changes in this <laughs> really? movie. Yes, there is. It goes to a lot there of is. places, doesn't it? He's doing his yes. best. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a journey. It is fair to say. <laughs> Lovely saxophone comes in for the Rudy Booty bits. And then... <laughs> Stop it. Honestly, at one point I was watching this film and gone, have I just walked in from the pub in 2002 and have I just flicked Channel 5 on and am I slightly drunk? Yeah. Because this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's produced by professional JCVD wrangler Sam Raby. Yeah. Oh, he had big stock in, in JCVD in the, in the 90s. He did, yeah. It's like, how do we get a tune out of this fella? Just get Sam Raimi. It's like, it's like the guy who can speak sign language with the gorilla. <laughs> yeah, because he did. Hard, he produced Hard Target, didn't he? And then he, he did. did yeah. yeah. And there's, there's there's always that thing weird thing with Sam Raimi and comic book films because <clears throat> obviously he did Spider Man, which is arguably the the one film that kicked off this whole obsession with comic book movies. And then Sam Raimi had been wanting to do a comic book adaptation for ages. And just no one would give him one, so he made his own when he did Dark Man. Ace. Which is Ace. Uh, well, it's not a comic book, but it's like it's it's as if it could be a comic book film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this was based on a comic book, um, a three part graphic novel from Dark Horse Comics. Um 
so yeah, it, it was kind of it was like oh Sam Raimi's name, but then I was like not surprised actually that he's involved in this with the JCVD and comic book thing in the early mid nineties. Yeah. It's like he was the guy. Because Hard Target was a hit, not as big a hit as this one, but clearly a, a, a fruitful partnership there. So he's like, right, let's get Peter Hyams in. Let's get JCVD together. Easy let's money. Form a dream team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stack those Benjamins. <laughs> Definitely. And and one thing you cannot argue with this film is its ambition um, in terms of, I mean, there's periods here in the Civil War. <laughs> we open in like, I mean, it's a period opening and we, go, we jump into different points in time um, and it's beautifully shot here. And these guys are stealing Confederate bullion um, to buy arms in the present day. Yeah. It's, it's it's brilliant. It's Incredible. It, it's it, loads and loads of ambition, which feels very comic booky. So I imagine that's yeah. from the source material. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but when we did Sudden Death on the podcast, we were talking about 90s movies that might be ready for a, a remake. And I suggested Ooh, Time Cop as a potential candidate. You did. And what yeah. I said I would have liked more of in the original was things of this nature was yes. modern day weaponry in historical <laughs> settings. Yes. Yes. Laser sighted machine guns. Absolutely. In Plowing down Confederate soldiers. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the really satisfying gunshot future gunshot sound effects when he whips out his yeah like, his pieces from the two from 2004 <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> yeah it, uh, and again seeing you know like as a, a movie fan you're conditioned to see certain things you know you're not conditioned to see laser sighted uzis <laughs> in this setting in the period setting at all which is great um and then we jump straight into i think possibly my pound for pound favorite talking scene in the film this boardroom business with um six smarmy politicians the, everywhere all the politicians are so smug in this film aren't they they're oh, all they're the so greasy ace, smug I... little shit bags and this film <laughs> scene is good it's great yeah scott lawrence comes in and he uh, playing spota or spotter um, and he murders this scene exposition machine absolutely banging it out no problem <laughs> he is, like. isn't he <laughs> Just giving it up, but you do, because he's so good, you don't feel like it's exposition. It's like, yeah. oh hell, it's really serious. Oh hell, there's there's high stakes in this film, and it's great. It's absolutely great, and it sets the the playing field for when we finally meet our boy. Mm. <sighs> Just before we meet uh, JCVD and his gorgeous buns <gasps> of steel, <laughs> I really love the idea. The biggest thing they were worried about of time travel is economic reasons. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's not about... Because they say off the bat, don't they? They're like, right, you can't go back and do something like kill Hitler because it's just going to change everything too much. Mm. The real criminals are doing really tiny incidental things, basically being Biff Tannen from Bats of the Future. Yes, yeah, yes! Just to make themselves money. And that's the thing they're worried about. And the whole motive for this unit of to police time travel um, is is solely economic reasons. That's that's basically it. And I, I really I like how that was the reason. It wasn't anything bigger than that because they knew. Yeah. Especially in America, um, money talks, and that's the thing that people would do with you know having the ability to travel back in time. And I quite yeah. like that. I thought that was a good a good spin on it to to keep it relatively. 
boring that it's just economic <laughs> reasons. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also believable as well because you, even though it's a fantastical concept, you do have to bring in something that grounds it. And yes, obviously, it, it's time traveling cops and robbers, isn't it? Essentially, mm, um, it is. I, I do question the decision to put the most shifty looking senator in charge <laughs> of the of the time travel policing program because if you had to do a lineup and go which one of these guys is potentially going to exploit this service but uh, him him with the neck beard absolutely 100% pound shop Andy Garcia yes him Ron Silver's great in this movie but he does look like a budget version of Andy Garcia he does he really does he is brilliant, but he does look well. Uh, can I throw in a, a slight John Lovitz vibe as well? <laughs> Andy Garcia and John Lovitz <laughs> had a giant beard. Uh, incredible evergreen man. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of this. Uh, uh, this is a film that relies on audience ability to suspend belief. You have to. Um, because you could nitpick everything in this. You could say that the, the theft of this con- Confederate bullion changes history so much. I mean, it's obviously a sizable amount of money. Does this change history so much, therefore, that in the future there is no position for them to buy arms anymore? You could go that deep into it, couldn't you? You know, that maybe the shape of the country isn't the same. You just have to go with it. You know, like, there's huge questions at the end of the film. I think there's you have to take huge leaps of faith as an audience. And I think the, the, the writers invest in you as an audience just to go with it. Just go with it. We're having fun. You have to do that to some degree with time travel films because it, it's the same with Back to the Future. If you analyze it too much, oh yeah, your yeah, mind's going to be doing backflips, and you can you can find you'll find plot holes if you're looking for them. Just stop looking for them. Just just listen to the expositional man who's telling you what's right. <laughs> yeah, and just believe and my, him. Uh, just believe it. JC video. <laughs> just and believe then, the guy. And yeah. Later, when we sub him out for gorgeous Bruce McGill, listen to Bruce and he'll tell you what's <laughs> exactly. going on at that point. Ah, <laughs> oh, Matuzak. Oh, what a what a guy. We will get to him. Um, Bruce McGill's twenty-one years old in this movie. That's a joke. No, <laughs> just doing that for Rob's reaction. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Is this after we found out that Taggart, the guy who played Taggart, was 36 in Beverly Hills Cop? Yes. Outrageous. Absolutely <laughs> that is outrageous. so depressing. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so we get to Mia Sara, who's at the mall. Big Karen Allen vibe with Mia Sara, by the way. And you don't see much of Mia Sara anymore. I don't really know why. Got no idea why. Um, but she's at, in, in sort of screenwriting 101, she's at a clock shop. <laughs> I wonder why she's there. This might be symbolism, perhaps. Um, and she's looking at these clocks and JCVD sneaks up behind her and he whispers something in a line and I can't remember what it is. I'm There's never enough time. Oh, my God. Time for what? To satisfy a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I know this whole next day. What am I watching? Is this Red Shoe Diaries? What am I watching? <laughs> You'd be forgiven for thinking it is. I mean, he's, he's, is he dishier than ever? Oh, here? 100%. A, a green bomber jacket, the side wave is, is crisp. 
No, I um, think he looks better when he's got a haunted past in 2004. To be honest, yeah, he's like the hair and the stubble grow out a little bit. Stubble. <laughs> he's so good. Right, I I was looking at this, and we do actually have another listener. I was waiting for a bit to to bring this in. Tom Newell brings this in. He watched this twice in the last year. Time Cop, which means this film is responsible for four JCVDs because obviously they they sort of merge. Yeah. Um, and he's he's watched another dual role film, which is Maximum Risk with Natasha Henstridge, which means that he's watched eight JCVDs this this year. <laughs> what is a he, guy! Is there two JCVDs in that as well? Yes, there is. I actually how many movies did he do where there was two? He of loved him? that technology, didn't four. he? <laughs> he did four movies, four movies where he was um, four John Claude. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, he played, yeah, obviously, obviously, double impact. Come on, Chad and Alex, let's let's play, let's behave. Replicant was another one where he plays a oh, he's a serial killer that's cloned, I believe. Wow. Um, and uh, they fight. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, obviously, then maximum um, maximum risk where he plays two twins in that, and then uh, yeah, then this wow. incredible. So. For, uh, you you can't say that you've not had you know your psychologist would have a field day with that <laughs> they really would yeah <laughs> is is it is it the Lance Henriksen thing for him you know it's like has it got two people in it has it got me playing two people I'm the same man <laughs> do I get well? to be a twin right <laughs> I'm not dissing him but he's not exactly Laurence Olivier is he so <laughs> he is in this film James he, he can barely play himself once. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a disgrace. Um, in fact, there is in this, you know, talk about this and and his beautiful manner of speaking. Um, there's a line here, isn't there? Like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, she says something like, "With your English, she didn't have a choice." You know, she disses his his speech. I know. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with Max Walker's speech? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Max Walker. <laughs> but then he retorts Rob in this instance and says, "But I know all all the best words in English." And then he whispers something uh, in his ear, in in oh, her yeah. ear. Uh, what do you think the words are that he might have whispered in her? I can do the splits. <laughs> I can wear small pants and do the splits. I have four movies where I play with myself. <laughs> <laughs> He is such a dish, though, isn't he? Oh, he really is. Beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> they go home, and there is this... Saxophone, candle-based sex bonanza. <laughs> the saxophone... Uh, the, uh, the saxophone brings in a... What a gratuitous sexy 10 minutes I into know, the movie. I, I don't know why. <laughs> There's like, no need for what this. What am I watching? There's no need for this. I imagine it's just, for her, from her perspective, this is the only thing that stops him talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this film part of the uh, RSDCU? The, the, red, the Red Shoe Diaries cinematic <laughs> <laughs> We have a new thing on the <laughs> FYR podcast. <laughs> Scenes ten that minutes. qualify. Ten <laughs> minutes. Outrageous. Oh man, it's true. But it's quite the the, the sax is quite sad. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it's a very weird one. Um, great big close up of JCB's 
But chase him in his butt. <laughs> I'm a... pretty sure John Claude himself was pushing for the camera to be on his <laughs> naked ass more than is this, is this what he was whispering to her in the last scene? Don't worry, we have a sex scene next. I get my ass out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Max Walker, Max Walker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he finishes his afternoon delight, <laughs> and uh, apparently his uh, his wife has something very important to tell him. But he gets called out on a job, and he I have to go. He has to go, um, and he promptly goes, and then he gets absolutely duffed up by a hair metal henchman in the in the front yard. Yeah, he gets shot twice in the chest. Gets up. I love seeing a hero get absolutely battered. Because that's like, I don't like untouchable heroes in movies because... Steven Seagal. <laughs> yes. James, how quickly did you puncture my armour there, by the way? <laughs> Direct hit. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how to carry on. <laughs> I feel as a man I've been deconstructed. These two guys were like just innocuously in the mall earlier, weren't they? When they were in the mall. They were, so yeah. Like, oh, who are these guys? We don't know who these guys are. Hmm, maybe they will pop up later. Um, but yeah, they're, they're the ones who attack him in the house and uh, they plug him in the chest and blow his house up with his wife inside. And Honestly, like, it's oh. ace. What a great early 90s explosion this house is. Very it's a big one, isn't it? It's a big house. And it's oh, a- yeah. It's great. Um, and then, boom, we're in 1929. There's, this is ace, this idea. You know, that he's gone back. So this is, we're in, in sort of the timeline of the film, we're in 2004, when yeah. JCVD has been sent back to 1929, Wall Street crash, but um, some ne'er-do-well who's been sent by Senator McComb is scamming loads of cash and making loads of money, betting on stuff that he knows the future of. Because uh, he's got future newspapers. I mean, again, there's strong Back to the Future vibes here. It's very almanacky, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? And um, Van Damme appears and comes back and and sort of... I mean, they have like an obligatory, massive, brilliant, hilarious fight scene. <laughs> the fight sequence is so good. It's so, so good. <laughs> it's so rad. Because <laughs> one of the... What it, like this guy who's posing as a stockbroker, he calls in one of the uh, security heavies, doesn't he? <laughs> he calls yeah. in like an old scar, old Queensbury rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, and he just gets absolutely leathered by Van Damme. It's so funny. There's so many kicks to the face. He does the splits. This is the first instance of the splits. Uh, yeah, of course yep. he does. Uh, does he punch a guy in the nuts when he does the splits at this point? Massively, yeah, yeah massively. He picks up like a broom and it gets snapped. And then it's a lamp, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's lamp. A la- yes. yeah. And he smashes some geezer about 30 times with the two <laughs> smash and then finishes with a massive nut shot. If you want to talk police brutality, even for a time cop, <laughs> we are struggling here. <laughs> it's just the, the same sound effect. <laughs> And it goes on for about 30 seconds. It's horrendous. Brilliant. It's really, really funny. It was very much Chance Boudreaux era excess, isn't it? Because the guy was clearly done after the first two shots with the (laughs) the baton come lamp, but he hit him another 37 (laughs) times just to make sure. I mean, an interesting look here. Let's let's just look at, um, yeah, Walker's look. Um, Because... 
this is one year later than uh, Hard Target. So gone is the oil slick Chance Boudreaux, and he's got like a, a feathered George Michael going on. Yeah, it's <laughs> wham years. It's like a buffon, it's a buffon rather than a, um, yeah. like a mullet, isn't it's it? It's very Dalton, it if is. I may. Oh, it Alaroca's. is. Oh, yeah. Fwa! You know, it takes so much. Flipping heck. Uh, yeah, e- extremely cool. Um, but like a, a navy onesie. With um, it's a, not a, a onesie, it's an overall. <laughs> well, it's, it is a onesie, really, isn't it? Black, black boots, and um, it's sort of like a leather, a skinny leather gilet, possibly. <laughs> oh no, with waistcoat, the, open neck waistcoat. Possibly. Yeah, well, he's got the he's got like rolled up sleeves, hasn't he? I quite like yeah. the the uniforms. Quite nice. I for love it. What, why does no one ever go to fancy dress parties? This time cop. <laughs> Because no one, Seriously? no one watched the. Well, no one remembers it, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, JCVD thirty-four in this movie, by the way. Mm. So we know. Yeah. yeah. What? Lovely. That's like a, only a year younger than I am now. Jesus Christ! Don't. I really need to go to the gym. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to look like. <laughs> um, he goes back to back to the future. Yeah. Yeah, back yeah. to the future. Yeah, and um, they immediately, you know, the guy he brings back. They, oh, because he jumps out the window with him. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he tries then to jump out the, the window. Activates the time travel he? thing. Yeah, because uh, he doesn't want to give away the senator's name. They immediately take him to trial and yeah, sentence him to death. <laughs> yeah. and rather than giving him like you know like um, an approved or, or sort of like I don't know registered death, they just put him back where he was. At falling out of a window. Do they do that with everyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely mad. Like, how much does it cost to do each time jump? I bet it costs quite a lot. So to put oh, him back oh, in that yeah. little car and send him back. So it's like the unknown scene where they put him back in the car, like, please don't put me back in. Please. <laughs> and the whole launch sequence, we see it later on, don't we? It takes like yeah. five minutes yeah. to go back in time. It's a right rigmarole. <laughs> We've got a, a fridge full of lethal injections. Should we just use one of those instead <laughs> It's massive. Doing the whole get the science. Never thought about that. Oh, is it that judge again bringing out the stupid death sentences? Oh, God. Right. Lovely horn music when JCVD goes home in a car that is astonishingly bad. (laughs) It is is a It looks like a kid's project. It is amazing. I love it. Every minute of it, I love it. I love this about watching films from years ago that are set in the future but we've surpassed that future <laughs> yes. I, I, I absolutely love it you like, so you know oh, this is what in 1994 we thought it'd be in 10 years time is these like <laughs> ridiculous boxy cars it's a soapbox racer like Bart builds in the Simpsons it is, done. It is. it's absolutely dreadful <laughs> but it looks like it's got so much tech on it I was thinking like when he was leaving that night he was like right see everyone I'm just going to stop off stop off at crap Q from Tango and Caches to uh, pick up a car just, for the drive home. <laughs> I just love it. So it like all those films where you just like you know. If I was to make a film set in the future, I'd be I'd go like two hundred years in the future. Be really know, safe, yeah, yeah. really safe with it. Not yeah. just ten years. I was long dead before it would ever come back to haunt me. <laughs> Well, he, and he gets home, and and again we get the the sex scene music there, <laughs> and he. Am so right, unnecessarily please? sexy, though. Yeah, I know. Does he, just so I know, does he go home 
and drinks neat whiskey every night yeah. and watches a sort of a, a garden porno him and his wife made. <laughs> Is that well? They were putting up a, a very erotic building of a birdhouse, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he just does this every night. Yeah. <laughs> basically, watches his own personal version of Red Shoe Diaries. He's been trying to get yeah. David Duchovny on to come and narrate it for years, and it's <laughs> just not happening. <laughs> Another brilliant entry into the RD. Uh, Red, no, RSD, RSD. CU. <laughs> CU. <laughs> um, but he wakes up on the couch and yeah. we have one of the greatest fights oh. in this film. It, it's essential. It's just outstanding. He gets, uh, he, well, he gets attacked in the middle of the night, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Did you happen to spot one of these villainous men has appeared on a previous film we've covered? No. Yeah. Oh, no way. I actually mentioned Who? the film earlier. I am so proud of myself for spotting this but it's really no obvious way. why i spotted it is it big trouble in little china yes yeah so the guy who plays has credited as knife number one <laughs> so the one who has a knife fight with jcvd in his when he attacks him in his sleep he's an actor called james Liu, who was also one of the lead members of the chang sing in big trouble in little china no <laughs> Brilliant. Outstanding. when he came in i was like outstanding is, is that the is that the big trouble little China guy? And I was like, I straight on IMDb. He's like, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Is that what That's we would? Incredible. Is that what would be a FYR boomerang for you, Rob? Is that no? Because oh, it's God too direct. It. Sadly, no, but I've got one. Uh, if you want. Oh, okay. Is now the time? Yeah, go for it. Well, um, a, a good, what a good name because um, it's so good for uh, JCVD to name. But um, Bruce McGill's Matuzak. Um, <laughs> He uh, played, well, he, he <laughs> Bruce McGill played Matuzak in um, Time Cop, but he also played Jonas Cantrell in Law Abiding Citizen, which also featured Cole Meany, who played Agent Malloy in Conair. Oh, yes. Nice. Very good. Very good. There we go. Um, so back to JCVD in his pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a very good fight scene. Like, it's like the office yeah. one, it's really good. I like to think that like Doug Wyman and Paul Greengrass were watching this back in the day, you know, before they went on the and they just made a little note like, oh yeah, kill someone with a washcloth. Yeah, I'll use that in a mm. movie in the future. Because there's, there's very <laughs> yeah. gets very Jason Bourne in this apartment while he's taking out these it's two good. goons. I mean, um, he's very vulnerable in this film, Van Damme. You know, and I think somehow him fighting to the death in his underpants adds to the vulnerability. <laughs> Again, I'm pretty sure it was his choice to be in his gruds while he was... Uh, <laughs> in his gruds! There's no way Van Damme ever used the word gruds. No, gruds. I have to fight in my gruds. No, never happened. Hey, Peter, hey, Peter, will you let me fight in my gruds? <laughs> hey, Peter. Make sure the, the two counters, the equidistance. I'm going to do splits on the two counters. Yeah. Two you counters. Check this kitchen. Two counters. Check this, the two counters. Check this kitchen, Peter. But, but, but why, why Jean-Claude? Why, you director, you figure it out. I'm on the two counters. <laughs> Phil Light, right here for ass. <laughs> Phil Light, right here. Uh, yeah i mean it's been talked about before but um there's going to be an electrocution moment because there's water on the floor electrical electrical device goes down there 
Um, JCVD leaps into the air in boxer shorts, does an incredible splits on the counter uh, to the delight of everyone. Yeah. In the audience. <laughs> and, I mean, we're just going to skip over the fact that he, ha- for no apparent reason, has a water cooler in his apartment. It's 2004, James. It's the future. Anything could happen. Oh, yeah, I remember that face. <laughs> that and yo yos were big in 2004. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, he survives. It's, it's amazing. Then we go back to the Time Cop place. Is it Evan? Oh, TEC. Is that T-E-C, Time Enforcement? Yeah. Time Enforcement or something. Um, and he's introduced to a guy who is liberally watching um, oh, porn God. on the job. <laughs> so shameless. <laughs> Which is, I, I don't, you can't. Come on now. It's, it's not like it hasn't happened before either, because doesn't Bruce McGill says? <laughs> Fucking this computer one more time. Like, Uh, yeah. How how was he not sacked on the first instance? (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we need something from this, it's not like he's in an office by himself. He's in a control room with other people. It's open plan. (laughs) (laughs) The gross misconducts, like if ever I've seen a bunch of porn in the office. Uh, it's like it's oh. like Hyams was like, right, you know, I'm not sure we've got the 18 rated yet. We've just got to keep the ante up, keep going, you know, we need to make sure we get it. And the thing is as well, at this point, uh, uh, Max Walker is being uh, investigated <laughs> by Internal Affairs, Fielding. Mm. She sees this and just says, you should open an exhibit. And he's like, oh, you should see my house. <laughs> She should be going straight back to her boss and going, there's a guy who just <laughs> openly watches porn while he's supposed to be doing these time jumps. <laughs> you can tell Rob oh, Silver's dude. in charge of this operation, can't you? Because he's not running a time <laughs> yes, jump at yeah. all. So the whole thing is with Macron. Every time he says that, I think he's saying Macron. Like, <laughs> the, the French president. <laughs> Um, it's basically now he's running for president. Uh, he's overseeing this time cop facility. Basically, he wants to shut it down once he's gone back and done all his jiggery pokery and got his funds for his presidential campaign. Mm. That's essentially it, isn't it? Yeah, the plan. It is. Yeah, because the fella from the night from nineteen twenty nine who got got <laughs> resent back in time and plastered <laughs> across the top of an old car was actually. Uh, Max Walker's <laughs> ex-partner. So obviously they think he might be on the take as well because oh, he's because yeah. uh, why not? <laughs> um and anyway it's the it's uh Gloria Rubin, isn't it, from ER, yes. who is from Internal Affairs and she's going back in time to keep an eye on him, mm. basically. And yes. I tell you what, one of the inconsistent things I know there's a lot of things in this in this <clears> film <throat> that don't make a tremendous amount of sense, but they go back in like a shuttle thing right mm. and you know that sequence is quite impressive mm. and then they pop through the time bubble and they're not in the shuttle and then when they come back they're in a shuttle again so what yeah. the fuck is all that about i, I, I read about this <laughs> apparently it's um because it's a lot easier it's a lot harder to go back in time that's why they need the shuttle yeah because it's like an unnatural you're breaking the space-time continuum yeah yeah but it's a lot easier to come back because it's 
time is pulling you back to your normal space. Oh. But then when they come back, he's in the shuttle again. Yeah, but it, it pulls you back to where you left. Ah, I see. So right, that's okay. why they're in the shuttle again. Yeah, they yeah. don't need the shuttle to go back. That that's the explanation to why it's a lot easier to go back than to go back oh, to the I future see. than it is to go to the past. Right. So like when you get in the shuttle to go back to the future and you zoom off towards that wall, <laughs> at some point you go back and then by the time you hit the wall you're back again. Yes, effectively, yeah. yeah. Right. That's pretty much I wish they'd said that in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the space-time continuum thing, it, it, it's it's always trying to drag you back to your proper space and place in time. Mm. So it's always a lot easier to do that than it is to go the other way. That's what how they explained it anyway, which I accepted. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Simon has done more work on, on this screenplay than the actual writers of it. So <laughs> excellent. Because <laughs> uh, this is right, because time travel stories, I find really hard to keep a handle on and understand. I mean, honestly, the brain power I, I expended on getting even half of an understanding of predestination. <laughs> it was yeah, absurd. yeah, that was that was bananas. But it's it's needed and this is much simpler. In a in a much more broad brushstrokes this it one. It is, it is. So fields turns. Yeah, it's, it's proper fields, heel turn. It yeah. is. Oh it great it, heel it turn. Surprised me. I was like, oh the little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, it's it's again. We always mention it, but it's very Shawn Michaels, oh. Marty Janetti through the barbershop window. <laughs> I love excellent. how that's like our reference point of heel turns. Is Shawn Michaels <laughs> and treachery. <laughs> it's true. Not Judas. Still the great. Not Judas. The most <laughs> famous. He's a real Shawn turn. Michaels. Judas. <laughs> The original heel turn. <laughs> P- putting Jesus through the barbershop window. And the rest. <laughs> Much worse. Fucking <laughs> 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 Judas. Crying. Right. This is why we don't do it on a Saturday night. <laughs> Wild! <laughs> oh, oh god! So many beers! Oh my word! <laughs> uh, <laughs> this scene also has, uh, I think, just before the the heel turn, <laughs> the the, the <laughs> frozen arm kickoff. Thing. Oh yeah! You know, he kicks off someone's frozen arm. Some early nineties CGI gets a play. Looks quite this good. Actually. That's after the heel turn. Oh, is that after the heel turn? 80s. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. 80s, yeah. It all kicks off, doesn't it? Because McCombs back and he basically tells us all his plan. Going to be president. I don't know if field if field is it fields or fielding. fielding. I'm not sure. Fielding. It's fielding. I'm so sorry. If Fielding makes the decision in that moment, or she's already been <laughs> on the take, like I'm sold on this guy. Yeah, yeah, let's go. For it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look suspect at all. I, I'm joining him. His beard <laughs> gives it all away. He's very, very good, isn't he? Uh, I think he I, is, I yeah. was. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Just that quintessential '90s shitbag villain, where you know, <laughs> yeah, just a, a sleazy, slimy, suit-wearing, stubble. 
But this is the this is the thing. People overthink villains now. It's like it's like, oh, let's tell you about his backstory. This guy, it's like, oh, why why is he a villain? I mean, he just is, but but why? Because he's a piece of shit. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. Do do I care about this guy's relationship with his parents now? Yeah. No, 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 I really don't. He just, just likes being man. evil. He's into it. Yeah, it's it's like a, a greedy, thing. greedy, selfish man, isn't he? He just wants power. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. Yeah. Um, Fielding gets uh, shot. Yeah. And ends up in hospital. And um, he goes back, Van Damme, sorry, Walker, goes back to, you know, to try and help out here. And uh, he has to get some of her blood for reasons I don't understand. Um, did you notice, and this goes full circle with the themes of the episode, the little nod to the thing? Oh, yeah. It, McCready's name is on one of the things, isn't he? On it the vials is, of yeah. blood. Yeah. I did spot that, actually. Lovely. I was like, I love the little. Lovely. What a great little, little nod uh, that is. Little nod, yeah. Love it. Um, don't really know what else goes on here. They talk about how, you know, she might have had an encounter she regretted years ago, yeah. which he brings back later in an awkward callback. I don't really know why. Yeah, because after all this uh after all this kickoff in, in the in the factory, he goes back to two thousand and four and finds that everything's changed yeah, everything's changed <laughs> so so ricky who's he was the the porn watching tech dude is no longer he's no longer he's probably made him a better person actually uh, he's no longer he's no longer like a nerdy hippie he's like a very smartly dressed man um who yeah. with a ponytail who who goes by the name of richard not ricky as he was previously <laughs> so he has to go back to 94 to to just fix it all again and then um, yeah, unfuck everything yeah. that's been fucked up, basically. <laughs> what's happened has caused too many ripples. They always keep saying ripple, don't they? Um, yes, they do. It's, and the, the ripple motif is even there in the time travel bit because there's an actual ripple on the <laughs> in the it. world, in the fabric of the world. Yeah, yeah I, I love, I it love too, how yeah. like 90s it, but it looks good. It, it, it looked good, you're right. It didn't look terrible. It could have looked terrible, but it didn't look terrible. In a 90s way. Uh, like oh, it's the 90s. Exactly. And then... Uh, yeah, our boy goes back again to risk it all for the future of his family, and we get this is where we get double Van Dam action. Oh yeah, um, and yeah, it's like non-family friendly Back to the Future yes. <laughs> from this point in, and yeah. um, which I absolutely loved. That Back to the Future two ending was so ace um, and so exciting. So to see Van Damme involved in this was very fun and funny. <laughs> and the central thing is you cannot um, have the same person and their atoms meet. Yeah, can't have they that can't share the same space. Can that's they? it? Yeah, bad things would happen. Yeah, which is is a constant threat on the whole thing, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, Macomb is he called? Yeah, Macomb. That yeah, because he meets himself quite a lot in the film, and he's always like, "Oh no, you know, stay back. You know, you can't, don't touch me." But like, yeah, because there's always this very threat. COVID. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows what would happen if you do do that. Yes. You just know something bad will happen. Um, and we'll shortly find out what does happen. <laughs> oh yes. A tube of bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we have a 94 JCVD and a 2004 JCVD. 2004 JCVD runs into his wife, doesn't he, at the mall. She's like, what happened to you? You're so much hotter now with the lovely long hair and the, <laughs> stubble, <laughs> the haunted look in your eyes. Um, and he tells her, oh, something bad is going to happen, but don't tell my 1994 counterpart. You just go home. <laughs> Yeah. And we'll let the bad thing happen and I'll try and stop it. 
because uh, yeah. like the best course of action. <laughs> so just don't go. What? Don't go home. Just don't go home. <laughs> go, to, go anywhere else. <laughs> no, I, I'm very odd. Uh, yeah. She's still Max with future JCVD. Yeah. I found this really inappropriate, actually. <laughs> I did. And I could imagine the other JCVD when eventually, you know, because he'll, he'll have to catch him. Like, you cheated on me. With me! You no, know, he'll like, well like, be into that. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two of me. Two of these butts. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've just gone along with all this at this point. I'm enjoying everything, the, uh, especially the the risk of them seeing each other, or the, the sorry, the 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 one in the past seeing the one from the future. Yeah, um, enjoying all that. Like the fact that the wife is sort of in on it. Don't know why she went home and and you know because I've got to be honest, when the, the chips are down and things are a bit heated. I'm not all up for bedroom action. <laughs> but she's like, I've just met a future version of you. We'll get it on. Woo! I, know. And I don't know why. And you've just been told something terrible is going to happen. I still don't Does know Does she why. think she's going to die? Is that why? Because he's very like, oh, ominous. She's like, did I die? And he's like, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not convinced <laughs> <laughs> Are we still together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Am I dead? <laughs> no. No. What is no dead? Way. <laughs> I mean, you're getting hung up on semantics here, Melissa. Uh. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the old timeline, obviously, we know that it's going to get bad, but we know that um, JCVD from 2004 is loitering in the garden. Yeah. Um, with uh, intent to protect. Is that a Steven Seagal movie? <laughs> intent to protect. It should be. <laughs> yeah, can I just check? Make a note yeah, of that. It's on the list, actually. <laughs> and they. It's a poor plan, isn't it, really? We'll just use ourselves as bait. You carry on as normal. Something terrible is going to happen. And the people are going to come here and then we'll somehow stop them. Um, when it goes down, she decides, though, that she's going to climb to the roof. For <laughs> no, why are you stop climbing? Please stop climbing. Yeah. Stop Pregnant going higher. as well. We should have touched on that as yeah, well. She, yeah. Why? Oh, dear. Um, I don't know why she keep, but she just keeps going higher and higher until she's, she's on the absolute apex point of the roof. And that causes a nightmare for everyone, really. I must admit, with the two Van Dams there, and it's very dark and very wet, I, c- I couldn't work out which was which half the time. I was looking for flicks of hair, like, is that hair long enough for it to be that one? I don't know. Um, but it's, I think it's really well shot. Slightly too dark, possibly. Yeah. But I re- it's, it's, it's a really good-looking ending. Yeah. I, I was just worried for 1994 Van Damme because... In the original timeline, he, he's he's on the lawn when he gets shot in the chest, and his bulletproof vest yes. saves him. But in this one, he's on the roof, so he gets <laughs> shot in the chest, and you're like, "Oh, he's all right. He's got to." Survive. But then he falls off the roof of the house. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure he might survive that. To be, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thought crossed my mind. <laughs> I mean, it's a massive, it's like four stories <laughs> onto his couch. shoulders and head. <laughs> You're right down there. And this was all because he went up there because, you know, his wife started this trend yeah. of climbing as high as possible climbing when pregnant. Uh, in the rain. 
In the rain. Oh, boy. In the rain. Sheesh. Van Damme doing a a neck break in the rain. Oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Finally, that guy with the worst hair in the world. (laughs) Nasty boy. (laughs) He is a nasty boy as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. On point. So he's one of the uh, two guys we saw at the very start of the movie in the mall. Yes. Isn't we didn't know who he was, but he's just McCombs henchman, one of McCombs henchmen with his horrendous hair. The, the hairstyles <laughs> of henchmen in this film are something else. But they're, they're from the future, so that's what... <laughs> yeah, we all have our hair like that in 2004. With my chinos and my nasty boy's hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> we end up with Ron Silver appears. There's a massive bomb because obviously the 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 best way to kill someone and make sure it happens is to just zero sense. A, make zero uh, sense. Yeah, set a massive timer that has a sort of I don't know some time in the near future. Why is Macomb even there? He doesn't need to I be. <laughs> I don't understand. It's nonsense. It's brilliant, but it's nonsense. Talk about micromanaging. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. He pushes. Yeah, Van Damme pushes young Macomb into old Macomb. And how would you describe what happened? They turned him to <laughs> chewing gum. <laughs> yes. uh, it felt like he's, um, that's a, a, a sort of a liquid stick of rhubarb. Yeah, pretty gross, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. But also super silly. Love yeah. it. Uh, I mean, yeah, no it trouble. goes full silly in this final third, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, there's lots of cheesy kiss-off lines, isn't there, throughout? Oh, yeah, so yeah, many. Yeah. We're in that territory, aren't we? You go with this or you don't go with yeah, this. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. No middle ground on this one. Van Damme gets the chance to take Melissa outside, but this is time cop Van Damme, takes Melissa outside and gives him to old Van Damme. And I really like that. There's a brilliant slow mo run out of the house. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. You get to see um, the house go up again, which is massively satisfying. Rad, yeah, so cool. Very cool image, like the weathered, haunted Van Dam giving the young, fresh Van Dam, who's albeit been shot and dropped off a roof, <laughs> <laughs> his wife back, so that they can have the future. And he goes back, and this ending. I'm going to be completely honest. I cried. It was amazing. Did you cry at how nonsensical it was? <laughs> Half of it was that. Yeah. <laughs> he gets back and sees that Matuzak is okay. And he's very happy And they're buddies that. again. Yeah. yeah. Despite all the jumps in time, no one could save the car from being absolutely terrible. So <laughs> still have that. And yeah, they, they he goes home. And he's amazing in this scene, JCVD. Because he realises he's got a kid, hasn't he? So, yeah. who's now 10, because or like 9 or 10, because she was pregnant at the time of 1994, does present-day Van Damme have any memory of those 10 no. years? Or <laughs> does it, has he just now got this random kid? Like, who he's like, this has is, to now love, learn to love. And this, yeah. kid, this kid's got all these memories. It's like Click. Has he had 10 years of just a robot Van Damme? <laughs> it is, this is the, the thing, isn't it? Like, if you look at the 10 years between 94 and 2004, Van Damme deposits the now safe pregnant wife back to Van Damme. So then he goes to the future. Surely at that point, his he would change on transitions to the future and acknowledge that he has, you know, a family and that they have history. Oh, but what? But obviously not. So the suggestion, therefore, is that Van Damme 
had a baby and then promptly forgot about it for 10 years or gradually <laughs> forgot about it and his wife despite them living in the same house like did he just go into the house after work every night and put on that old garden porno and drink neat neat, neat liquor and they're like oh not again no He's go, he's go, he's losing it. <laughs> I have to say though, where JCVD deserves a bit of credit because I really liked how he went from "Holy shit, I've got a kid" to "Oh my god, I love this little boy." Like in yeah. and in in a shot. Yes, he doesn't get credit for being because he's. Let's be honest, he's not the best of actors, is he? But I, I, we we don't. That's not an official FIR statement. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I think he sold the issue of the continuity of the nonsense of this bit <laughs> purely with his his acting in that one and shot. He cries. He, he, he was cries. really good. He was like he was ace. He was like, oh, I've got a kid. I've got a kid. I love this kid. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, Van Dam. I'm so happy for you. Two thousand four yeah. walk. Cried. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. Um, cried. All valid points. Fantastic book. <laughs> For me, the, the, this this film ends five minutes too early because I want to see him trying to navigate this house, not knowing his son's name, right? <laughs> not knowing where anything in the house is. They're supposed to be having a barbecue. Yeah. But <laughs> does he know where all the all the cooking utensils are? <laughs> And I want to see him try and navigate that for the next five minutes and <laughs> end his uh, marriage, ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> the sad, sad alternate ending. Hey, Melissa, Melissa, let me, let me. What is his Who's name? That? <laughs> we call... Oh, I've been looking forward to seeing little... <laughs> Jeff Millen, <Michael laughs> day. I I took the approach watching this scene of uh, like what they do in Looper, where the 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 memories gradually get implanted in their head. Let's yeah. hope so, on. because that so is I was like, that's what. Yeah, because they're going to have some bonding issues of one. <laughs> it is extremely problematic this choice, but it does give for a really satisfying end when you've got a guy who has been haunted. I think Van Damme did the haunted thing really well throughout he the did film, you. actually. Um, and and I'm going to put uh, you know this is the point where we big up Van Damme. We haven't really talked about how how good I actually think he is in the film. Um, I think he's perfectly good in this film. You know, um, at a a role that is extremely silly. Yeah. And if he wasn't a hundred percent flying at it, and especially in this end scene, none of this would land and sit in a fond part of our minds. Um, I don't know what you guys think about the film, actually. But you know, like for the people, the the, the people who got in touch with us uh, prior to recording, they all speak fondly of it. And I think a lot of that is the fact the fact that Van Damme really does go for it. And this scene, albeit lunacy, <laughs> really hits the landing. It hit, it sticks the landing. It's ace. Mm. Yeah. No, he does a good job for sure. He really does. Yeah. So, favourite bits, guys. What have you got? Oh, so um, I've got two, actually. So, uh, during the standoff with Macomb, uh, Ron Silver has a has a little monologue, which feels like it might actually just be based on reality, and he's just getting some of his frustrations with Van Damme off his chest on film. Um, so he goes, You see, I'm an ambitious, Harvard-educated visionary who deserves to be the most powerful man in the world, and you... 
you're a fucking idiot, who never figured out that the only way to make anything of himself with all that fancy kicking was on Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a personal day. I feel personally attacked here. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a a straight-up diss track. And um, from a more visceral standpoint, um, in the microchip factory where it all goes down, after he kicks the dude's frozen arm off, the guy goes over a railing and basically tombstones into a huge <laughs> motherboard. And I'm pretty sure he might be decapitated. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible death. It's brilliant. Yeah, I totally forgot about that death. Like the, 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 the ragdolling dummy's body, like, <laughs> bouncing and. What's the line he says as well? Is it, is it having like straight out of Arnie, Batman and Robin? <laughs> have an ice day. <laughs> so Batman and Robin was after this, so Arnie ripped off JCVD. <laughs> yeah, of brilliant. course. Yeah, brilliant. absolutely. He saw that one scene and based his whole performance <laughs> on <laughs> Two very good bits, worthy of recommendation. Uh, si, what's about you? Uh, I also have two bits. Um, when he does the splits in the boardroom and when he does the splits <laughs> in his living room. <laughs> Can't get enough, clearly. He's a marvel in terms of what he can do, stunt-wise. Because we, 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 we totally missed off the bit where he um, stops that robber in the mall and the, how he stops oh, him yeah. is just his his foot to his face, just ste- steady as a rock. Yeah. rock. Crisp Tim's. Steady as a rock foot right in his face. It's like, what a specimen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I can't disagree. I think uh, my favourite bit is... um, So, um, a dude has a shotgun. This is after Fielding's um, Judas through the the barbershop window. And um, he's up on the catwalk and the guy has a shotgun and he's close to him and he just... In a really smooth move, spins it round so the shotgun is pointing at his knackers and pulls the trigger. <laughs> and the yeah. Guy, and the, the guy just crumples. And rather than like a really funny lie, he just says, that's got to hurt. <laughs> like it like genuinely, I imagine that properly wrecks that. <laughs> Doesn't the guy like realise just before, I think I was like, oh no. <laughs> he realises yeah. what's about to happen. <laughs> it's just like, do 90s movies, do they have like, a checkbox where it's got, we have to include some decimation of bollocks. <laughs> 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 we have to include it. <laughs> anyway, so um, for your reconsideration, FYR, what are you thinking, Jen? Um, so, you know, I think a part of this is like, can we do T2 without spending a lot of money? It does have that, <laughs> it does have that kind of vibe. And I, I think it's very much of its era. So if the prospect of gratuitous butts, boobies and cheesy <laughs> kiss-off lines fill you with dread, this might be best avoided. Uh, for the rest of us, though, this is deliriously silly piece of action time travel nonsense that had me grinning ear to ear throughout the entirety of its runtime. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but (laughs) Hyams helms it solidly. The set pieces are well choreographed and an incredibly buff JCVD gives good action man. Plus, as from listening to this, it's bloody hilarious. It's really, really (laughs) funny. Whether that's intentional or not, it just is. 
you know, funny's funny at the end of the day. <laughs> yes. It's not a classic by any stretch, but if you're a fan of 90s action and up for a brainless piece of popcorn entertainment, you should certainly make time for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh, I love it. Sai, what are you going to say? So this movie, it has, it does have that unintentionally hilarious 90s vibe, uh, as James, James touched upon there. It's got terrible one-liners, absolutely shocking henchman hairdos, <laughs> gratuitous nudity, and unnecessarily sexy saxophone-based score to go along with that nudity. But honestly, I had such a good time with this one. And I suppose because for me, it was a first watch as well. I enjoyed every minute of it. It is all a bit naff. It is all a bit daft, particularly when watched through a 2021 lens. But as a mind-bending time travel action thriller, all all films of this have their problems because it's just impossible to bloody get through the hoops of time travel. Um, but I genuinely thought the basic science of it and the idea of that you can only go backwards, you can't go forwards, and all stuff like that, and how it was really boring, how it was, we have to police this for economic reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I just really liked I thought it was really good. Um, it won't go down as a classic, but as a JCVD-fronted relic of the 90s, I think this is one of his better movies, to be honest. Oh, dear. I I'm, honestly, I, I'm loved it. Cry. Yeah, I really oh. enjoyed it. It was good. Good fun. Lads, you've I am beaming ear to ear, really. This is so great. This movie for me aims for the stars and I don't care if it gets there. <laughs> I just don't care at all. Um and the movie just it, it it just goes for it. I don't think the movie cares whether it gets there. Um lofty ambitions here definitely play a part. And for the most part, it delivers. We talked uh, at the start of the episode, which feels about 10 hours ago, uh, <laughs> about um, Independence Day, about what it set out to achieve and whether, with its strict goals, whether it achieved it. I think Time Cop achieves it. It just, it, it, it's just, it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a, He's definitely a time, a time travel cop. movie. <laughs> he definitely is. <laughs> and it, it just, it's a, time, it's a movie about a, a dude going back in time um, to fight crime. <laughs> and it's got JCVD in it. What is the matter with you people if you don't like this? <laughs> it is so much fun. Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And also, personal note, um, watching it again after all these years in not pan and scan was an absolute joy. Peter Hyams, boy, buddy, you look good, buddy. I loved how it was actually in its original ratio because the amount of films I stick on on, on Amazon and it's cropped to fit na- 16 by 9 screens and it pisses me off no end. But um, <laughs> it was great to see this was in its original format. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> format. format. I love it. <laughs> How would you guys oh. rank it then? Out of the f- so we've done the four JCVDs on the We've done four. What yeah. is wrong with us? <laughs> so what? What are the four? So hard target, double impact, so no, double impact, this, and oh, sudden I death. I didn't uh, do sudden Simon death. Was I missed it. Ah, uh, yeah. So Rob, I suppose as the JCVD aficionado, how would you rank those four? There is a, a UK quad poster from the multiplex in '93 <laughs> behind me that will say that hard target has to be top. I agree. Um, and it is top for me. But after that, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> Double Impact might be my... I don't know. I really like these Hyams movies. I've grown to really like Hyams through discussing <laughs> them. 
So it's really hard. Hard targets, number one. I think, you know, they're on, at the end of the season, they're on 100 points. Everyone else is on 99 points behind them. But they all get Champions <laughs> League status. So, yeah, fair enough. That is a cop-out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Where would you put them then? I'd, I'd go with hard target. And then I think it's it's kind of a coin toss between time cop and sudden death i think yeah sudden death is possibly a better film because it's just die hard in a in a hockey rink mm. but it's not as much fun as time cop so it's sort of a dead heat between those two and then double impact is like quite a bit below it because it's a real relic of the 90s yes. well i think also because it has a terrible <laughs> nanny in it as well who doesn't do a duty yes <laughs> <laughs> so bitter about and take a bullet for the for the family <laughs> I just think that fun is the key. I just I think this is a hoot. It's a really good, fun movie. Yeah. It's daft as a brush, but I <laughs> loved it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, what have we got next week? Next time? Even. Well, it's my pick next time. And I think I need to, you know, we've had a lot of butts and boobs on this one. <laughs> We need to bring it back. This is a family program. <laughs> so we're going to go for a lovely little sports movie from the early 90s by the name of The Mighty Ducks. Oh, Flipping days. heck, man. Oh, God. Oh. I mean, what hoops have you jumped through oh. to make this qualify, James? Uh, is that one of the best I, films ever made. I had a look. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to tip it off. But I had a look at the Rotten Tomatoes score on this, and it's an absolute abomination. Right? So no, it needs a dressing. No, it really does. There's um, a character in it called Carp. What is? Well, how can you? How can you say that's not incredible? So yeah, ah. two weeks from now, bring your hockey pads. We're suiting up with Gordon Bombay. Four. I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> How many times will I say that in between? I cannot wait for that. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, gents, tonight. It's been an absolute blast. A bit of an odyssey for JCPD tonight. It's always going to be, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at FYR Film Pod. Please give us five stars at your subscription service of choice and tune in next time for the Mighty Ducks. Who, well, for anyone. I'm not just going to say Who our age, anyone movies. alive <laughs> Who likes good movies uh, That would be a must listen I would say, say goodbye boys Bye 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 Going to do the splits on the kitchen counter <laughs> yeah. The two counters <laughs> Check those counters Check them Peter <laughs>